Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Grambling. And I'm Connor Orr. And Connor, we're starting off with headlines. And the uh, the biggest headline is Peter King is returning to the MMQB <laughs> for, 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 for a single podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely <Pete>. done, Gary. <laughs> Peter King, welcome to the show. Woohoo! Hey, it's exciting to be here, guys. Good to Good to see you both and... Great to be great to be on with you. I miss our days and our time together, and uh, it's cool that you asked me to come on. Well, glad you can make it. We, uh, as always, we will give you the uh, uh, the least popular game show in America at the end. Uh, that is more than four, but fewer than six questions. But uh, we're just going to run through. I think kind of the let's call them the hot topics of the day, because that sounds intriguing. And uh, we'll we'll sort of get some of Peter's takes here, uh, Connor. If if that's okay with you, uh, I didn't approve this. I don't know what you're <laughs> what you're talking about. No, that sounds great. This is uh, this is very exciting. I uh, it 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 has a decidedly more l- less personal flair than I mean. We used to do these meetings together in an office in Lower Manhattan. All of us together. Peter used to go get Shake Shack for everybody. Mm-hmm. 
having a yeah, check in a really long time. You know time. what was what was really the fun the fun stuff is when sometimes we would have the meetings on Monday after I'd finished my column and <laughs> about halfway through the meeting I could feel my lids getting heavy and so the meetings all of a sudden got very abbreviated. <laughs> but, uh, I really miss those days. I miss the days of uh, of of Mark Moravic, uh, you know, trying to move things in a certain direction, and then Clemco going totally in a in another direction. And I don't know. We had some we had some fun days. It was good. They were, they were fun days. And much more profane than this uh, than this podcast episode will be. We think. Yeah, we can't can't curse anymore. That thanks to the you know thanks to all these new fancy sponsorships. You know, <laughs> something like just, that. Just want to go on a just go on a go on a t- <laughs> profanity laced tirade. You know, who doesn't want to do that these days? You know, that that is one of the biggest microphones in NFL history. By the way, Connor, look at that thing. It is it is almost as large as my face. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's and and I've been told. I just have been... the cheap old built-in MacBook Pro microphone. Does it work? You sound great. All right, then. <laughs> very John Facenda-like. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, he's dead, so uh, here's that. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, again, the, the hot topics of the day. Uh, so it looks like... Colin Kaepernick will not be a Las Vegas Raider, or at least not anytime soon, we we presume at this point. Uh, uh, our question to you, Peter, is what do you think? I, I mean, are we going to see Kaepernick in an, in an NFL uniform ever again? My guess, Gary, is no, but I would not have thought either that uh, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, the Raiders, would have worked him out. You know, I don't know if you guys noticed it, but when Josh McDaniels ended up talking about Colin Kaepernick, you heard that a couple of times in the course of his conversation where he basically said nothing, you heard that in essence he said, oh, we work out a ton of guys. You know, we, we, you know, we, we have worked out many guys this offseason, Dave and his crew, blah, blah, blah. And I, when I first heard that, all that went through my mind was this is basically kind of uh, a fact-finding mission from Ziegler and uh, Josh McDaniels to see if they would put Colin Kaepernick on there What when I covered the Giants a long time ago, what Parcells used to call his ready list, which essentially is people is is a team working out a bunch of guys and then figuring out okay if we get an injury at this position who can we call on and i think that's what this was and now it's been eight days as we record this it's been eight days since he worked out they haven't signed him if they loved him if they absolutely loved him they would have signed him by now so i'm sure that now they have him somewhere on their list at quarterback and I'm sure they worked out other quarterbacks I mean they they also worked out two kickers recently and they don't need a kicker because Daniel Carlson obviously is is very good so I think it was more or less a uh, 
you know, let's have a, let's take a look at this guy. There's one other thing that I didn't know until somebody told me over the weekend. Colin Kaepernick now lives in Vegas. So, no. yeah, he lives 10 minutes from their facility. So, and again, I'm sure that they didn't bring him in because he lived right down the street. But, I mean, you know, no harm, no foul. Let's have the guy come by. Do you think it was at all, Peter, um, do you think other teams were curious? I, I remember the, Ra- yes. or the, Ra- the Ravens back in 2017, right, where they just thought about bringing him in for a workout, and then that ended with statements from Ozzie Newsom and Dick Cass and John Harbaugh and I, I think it was Steve Bishotti saying that they took the pulse of the fans and decided not to bring him in for a workout. Do you think that other teams were wondering – Hey, is this? Are people still protesting this? Do, you know, are they going to pick at the facility, or do people still care anymore? And I don't know. Do you think there was a curiosity at all there? I think one thing about this workout and this uh, sort of this little public pod to two with Colin Kaepernick by the Raiders proved to other teams that you know the temperature has gone down in the. Uh, in the public sphere. Uh, although, if you look at the comments section on um, the the guys from The Athletic, uh, Vic Tafer and Tashawn Reed, I think you would find that uh, there were a few people who say, over my dead body, you know, who are still saying that stuff. But most people say, hey, good for him, glad he got a workout. Uh, or... You know, hope he hope they sign him or, or whatever. I think the Colin Kaepernick furor has died down significantly. And if anything, if any team out there said, uh, look, we've got two quarterbacks hurt. Let's get somebody who if we have to play, he can play. And look, this is not in every market. If you've got a heavy military presence, you're probably not going to sign him. Uh, but I do think there are other the other markets in the country that took a look at that. I mean, look at New Orleans, for example. You know, New Orleans was willing to uh, take a shot and talk about Deshaun Watson. I mean, there are some markets where the team is king, in like in New Orleans, in the Saints we trust. So that's why I think it was a good thing for Colin Kaepernick that he worked out for the for the Raiders, and essentially they, uh, uh, you know, the world did not fall down. I'll I'll add one more like uh, semi annoying follow up to that. Do you think that there are the teams that you say that are king in their market? Do they know that, or do you think that every team thinks that they're king? and operates that way or do you think that there are like you mentioned new orleans right um do you think that there are a few teams that have that real sense of like i'm i'm infallible i can't i can't i can't miss on somebody it doesn't really matter what i well i mean we could probably count them up yeah um you know how many how many markets could probably make a decision like this without really caring all that much uh, New England could make a decision like that. New Orleans could, um, uh, but there are a lot of there are a lot of markets 
that can't do that because either because of a heavy military presence uh, in their fan base. And it seems like a lot of people in the military just can't get over this Kaepernick stuff. Um, But I do think that there are a lot of places that are fine with sort of seeding uh, social control to the team and, and saying, if you guys want to do this, we trust you. Now, I almost said Pittsburgh, but I think that, and I'm not saying that Pittsburgh wouldn't do it, and I do think there's a lot of in the Steelers we trust, but I, I, I question uh, based on, you know, because my wife's from Pittsburgh, I know the area, I think there would be a lot of people who would come out and say, we don't want Kaepernick under any circumstances. But you ask a question about, do most teams know that? I think most teams like to think they know that, but um, I'm really not sure that they do. I think Vegas is a perfect example of a of a market that could do it because right now Vegas is basically just euphoric that that the uh, that the Raiders are there. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. 
And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. So staying in the AFC West here, uh, Denver Broncos for sale. Uh, who's going to buy them? What's it going to cost? And keep in mind that now that Connor and I don't swear, we, uh, we're coming into some money on this podcast with the new sponsors. <laughs> so maybe we get in the mix. We'll see. Well, if you think about this, Gary, uh, I was just writing something about this for my column on Monday. Uh, I think the leader in the clubhouse by a lot is a guy named Rob Walton. He's one of the Walton heirs. And I found it hilarious. Forbes, uh, in their ranking of the richest people in America, uh, had him 13th as of January 22. And the the worth like $66 million. And, or $66 billion, excuse me. And uh, they said that because of the quasi-cratering of Walton's stock in the economic downturn, he's now worth about $60 billion. <laughs> um, so poor guy. Um, but, but anyway, it's this guy, I think Rob Walton, he's 77 years old, and no one knows anything about him really. And he is likely to be the, uh, the winner of this sweepstakes for the Broncos. And really, I think the only thing that it means is that in the span of four years, think about that, in the span of four years, an average to, to good NFL franchise, which I would say the Broncos are now, now sells for double what it did in 2018. Think about it. Yeah. The Panthers, 2.275 in 2018. And now, give or take, uh, you, know, uh, you know, half a billion. They're going to sell now for 4.5 billion. And, you know, so almost exactly double of what the value of the last franchise was. And that's why... I think, like when I look at it right now, uh, that's one of the reasons why the NFL likes to be this 24-7, 365 venture. Because the more you're in the news, the more you're worth. 
And so by, uh, by the phenomenal amount of coverage and by the networks not being able to live without the NFL, you know, by the NFL basically having a business that generates $10 billion a year in television and media revenue, it just means that the franchises are all going to be worth a lot more. So I think it's interesting, but I think the other part that is most interesting to me about the Broncos is that so they now have an imaginative coach, mm-hmm. they now have a, a good quarterback, and they now have an owner with deep pockets who, from all indications, he will spend on the football team. And it really, it kind of reminds me of 95 when uh, Shanahan got hired and it was Shanahan, Pat Bolin, and John Elway. And it's, and again, time will tell. That, that franchise won two Super Bowls fairly soon after Shanahan came on board and succeeded Reeves. So to me, I think it's a really, really interesting, maybe succeeded Wade Phillips. I, I'm speaking out of turn there. But um, to me, I think it's I think the meaning of this is sort of in the in the entire overhaul of the franchise, too. See, do you I mean, is is there ever a point where. When something like this happens and continues to happen, where you have each person that kind of gets on board with more and more of a deep personal fortune um the next guy that buys the nfl team what does that do to like you know i'm thinking i i guess the mara family partnered with the tish family so so they're comfortable in some respects but the family-owned businesses in the nfl do they feel at all i don't know are they looking over their shoulder when something like this happens or are they just secure in their family's ownership of an NFL team? Or does this ever get to a point where it's an arms race closer to what we've seen in baseball? You know, here's kind of the way I look at it, Connor. Um, Because I really thought, I really thought that there was a chance that this time that there was going to be significant minority ownership when the Broncos were sold. But... I think, and this is a, this is, sounds kind of, kind of crazy, but the absolute total wealthiest people on the planet, all of whom the NFL wants to get into business with, like the NFL would love Larry Ellison, the, the, the software king. Um, They would love Larry Ellison to want to buy an NFL team. They desperately want uh, Jeff Bezos to get more involved than simply a, um, you know, than simply uh, having uh, his tentacles into Thursday night streaming. And there just simply are not all that many at this level, at the absolute highest level of wealth in America. There really are not all that many A women, B, uh, you know, minority owners. But as far as kind of, you know, people looking over their shoulders, I think the only reason why you would look over your shoulder a little bit is 
if you ever go to sell the franchise uh, or you die, the estate taxes could be so huge that uh, the people who you want to leave the team to might not be able to pay the estate taxes. And that's one of the things that I think I, you know, like if, if Jerry Jones ever sells the Cowboys for eight or 10 billion, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know legally what happens if he just tries to leave it to his family. And then after he leaves it to his family, uh, you know, what the potential tax consequences are. These things are becoming just so absolutely gigantic uh, in terms of their value. Because when you think about it, I think the latest Forbes list, there's only 75 people in America who are worth 10 billion or more. So, I mean, who actually would, if, if somebody would want to, who would be able to buy the Cowboys if the Jones family ever sold it? It's just, some of it is, uh, some of it is almost like intimidating wealth, you know? So we had a uh, we had Stephanie Epstein on the last episode, yeah. a wonderful Sports Illustrated MLB writer. We talked a little bit to her about the Trevor Bauer suspension and how that might play into the uh, uh, the Deshaun Watson, what we assume yeah. will be a suspension, but certainly we don't know at this point. Uh, just yeah, we'll just ask point blank: uh, Do you think that has an effect on Roger Goodell, uh, assuming? Uh, the investigator comes back and, and, and does recommend some sort of punishment for Deshaun Watson here. Is he looking at how MLB handled Trevor Bauer? The weird thing about the setup for discipline now, Gary, in the NFL is, is that it really has changed. It's changed a lot in one way, and it hasn't changed that much in another way. But the way it's changed a lot is um, the NFLPA got the original... Uh, got the people who originally will hear these big discipline cases to be neutral parties agreed to by both the union and the league. So it's this, I believe she's a district court judge. I'm going to get her name wrong, probably Sue Peterson. I've, I've read about her a bit, but she is going to hand down whatever the discipline is going to be. Um, but then after that, assuming, and I'm assuming, that, um, that Deshaun Watson will appeal it, then Roger Goodell basically hears the appeal. So Roger Goodell can, can essentially still have major authority in this, in this arena. Um, I think it sounds logical that there would be a bit of a me too element to it involving Trevor Bauer. If I were the NFL, yes, Trevor Bauer would, I wouldn't say that I dictate my decision on it, but I do think that even though Trevor Bauer's case involves one woman, um, that the fact that 23 women claim to have been, um, sexually assaulted in some way by Deshaun Watson. I think that I, I, if, if I were the NFL, this would matter to me. Um, 
And again, because it's hard to predict now, you know, there, there are some people who've told me, Gary, that once this judge issues her ruling on this, that, um, that Watson may just take it and the Browns may urge him to just take it because you would think it wouldn't get any lighter going to Roger Goodell. Yeah. You know, because Roger Goodell can essentially say, we set this um, system up for a reason, you know, to have a neutral party do this. The one thing I'm unclear on, if it's appealed to Roger Goodell and and they're trying to get the the sanction lessened, if they appeal to Roger Goodell, could Goodell actually uh, make it worse? And that's hmm. that's something I don't know. There, the NFL has been really uh, has been really quiet about this and about the process. I think because they want to be seen as as having an open mind on this. So. Um- Peter, I mean, I know you you profile. I it's funny you profiled Roger Goodell, and I I actually talked about that on another podcast, the Around the NFL podcast recently. I still remember your story on Roger Goodell, right, and breaking up the bar fight, right? Wasn't he, wasn't he like a bar backing somewhere and and like broke up some sort of massive dust up or something? There like was that? a there was a bar fight uh, when he worked at a bar in college, and a guy had a gun, and Goodell. The owner of the bar told me this story. He said Goodell got this guy to go home. You know, he <laughs> said, we don't, we can't have any trouble here. Some, you know, I'm paraphrasing. And he got this hothead to go home and to take his gun home. And look, I think, I think Roger Goodell sees himself as, um, uh, in some ways as a peacemaker, in some ways as a conciliatory type guy, uh, probably I think, I think people in and around the league would see that as maybe uh, he's, he's really trying to do that a little bit more now, having learned in some of his other disciplinary uh, ventures, like with Ray Rice, I think he would, I think what he wants to do is he wants to be respectful to the women, but he also wants to be fair to the Cleveland Browns. So I think this is going to be a very tough call if Goodell has to end up hearing an appeal on this. And it's going to be a tough call because I, I happen to think that this is one of the worst decisions I've ever seen an owner make in all the years I've covered the NFL. And that is Jimmy Haslam and D Haslam giving a the the biggest guaranteed contract in the history of the league to a guy with 22 swords of Damocles hanging over his head. You know, these civil lawsuits. Now it's 23. I find it bizarre and it's it's not just it's not just uh Haslam and it's not just involving the Cleveland Browns. This is going to have tentacles into what the Chargers do, um, you know, with Justin Herbert, and obviously what the Bengals do uh, with Joe Burrow. And the reason I mention those two 
is that Mike Brown cannot give, I shouldn't say cannot give, uh, I think it'd probably be difficult for him to find the money to guarantee that contract to. Because for people who don't know this, when you guarantee a contract in the NFL, you have to take virtually all of the, the money that you're guaranteeing and put it in escrow. So Mike Brown is going to have to dig up, and it's a weird formula that doesn't involve the first year of the contract. So let's just say that Mike Brown, you know, in signing Joe Burrow would have to find $175 million. This is a family-owned business. I'm not saying they don't have $175 million if they absolutely had to raise it. They probably could come up with it. I, I you know, I don't know. But it's almost the same thing, you know, with the Spanos family. That's even though there there is some outside business with the Spanos family, that's basically a football business. So that contract, the reason that and I reported this going into the league meetings, there were a lot of people very unhappy with uh, with the Haslam's. And um, and I think they still are because that contract is going to reverberate around the league. But again, as far as what will happen with with the league's penalty toward him, I think it could go in a lot of different ways. And one of the ways, I think the common sense way, Mike Florio wrote about this and makes all the sense in the world to me, is you give him one penalty for this season, like you say, okay, six games. You're out for the first six games. And then if... He ends up having to pay 50, 50 million uh, to his victims. He loses the civil suit or whatever, whatever the number is. So, in other words, admitting some sort of guilt, you know, could the NFL come back next year and say, well, wait a second. You know, you've now admitted what you didn't admit a year ago. So could they give him a few more games in 2023? I don't know, but... Um, I think there's a lot of different possibilities on the table uh, in the penalty to be given to Deshaun Watson. Do you, do you think that there's a chance? I mean, I, I think that we've all heard, you know, there was always those discussions about when the Patriots were really good and there was pressure on Roger allegedly to, you know, come down on them for things like the deflated football um, issue or whatever it was. Do you feel like, owner anger is collective and serious enough that they're in Roger's ear being like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta bury these guys with this thing. I doubt it. Uh, because you can't penalize a team over the size of a contract. They give a player that that can't be a part of this. They may hate it, but that can't be a part of this deal. I don't think they're doing that, but as if there are some owners who are saying we have got to take a stand on this behavior and we can't let uh, Deshaun Watson skate on this, no matter how valuable he is to the Browns. I could see them saying that, but I can't see them involving the size of the contract. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. So, Peter, is Mike Trout really the worst commissioner in fantasy sports? This this Mike Trout thing is one of the funniest things ever. It's utterly fantastic. And it just goes to show you, I mean, $10,000 entry fee to get into this league and the fact that 
Tommy Pham, who I, I got to tell you something. I happen to think sometime in the next 10 years, Tommy Pham is going to do something that is not going to get him just a three-game suspension. Is this guy the biggest sporting hothead there is? <laughs> That he got so pissed off at a guy for putting an injured player on injured reserve, which, by the way, Matthew Barry, Mr. Fantasy Guru, told me he was very much within his rights to do. (laughs) You know, Tommy Pham, man, he's like, you know, I, I just have to say this. If I'm walking down the street in Brooklyn with my dog Chuck and I see Tommy Pham walking toward me, I'm walking to the other side of the street. I'm crossing. <laughs> it's uh, oh man, I, I'll say this, and, and I've I've uh, I've commissioned a couple of fantasy leagues going back to the '90s, and I've never had. Uh, there's never been a physical altercation, no fisticuffs. Uh, I, I wear that as a badge of honor, but uh, I didn't like. I'm just wondering. At some point, was someone appealing to Mike Trout? Was someone like looking to Mike Trout to? To shut this down uh, because it, what it was partially the the injured reserve thing, which is weird. Uh, I, I'm not sure what that was all about. What what the possible argument against that is, but uh, and then number two, I, what there was a something some meme making fun of the Padres or yes. something like that that Fam took exception to, which seems seems a little thin skinned, but yeah. The one thing about this that I keep thinking, you know, there are between like 40 and 55 million people this year in the United States who will play fantasy football. That means like one out of every seven human beings or one out of every eight human beings in the United States is gonna play fantasy football this year. I mean, the the popularity of this game and you know, I've just started, I've really started to think that a guy like Matthew Barry has to be in the eyes of people who love fantasy football. He's like as important to them as Jalen Hurts is to Eagles fans. I mean, it's just so bizarre how big this has gotten and how, uh, I, I, I mean, people who are fantasy football authorities I don't know. They're going to get paid a lot of money here in the near future, I think. Did you find when – what was the moment for you in your career when you when you kind of saw – when did fantasy football first come on your radar? And then what was the moment where you were like, holy crap, this is, this is going to be a big deal? Uh, I don't remember a moment, but I do remember uh, one time early on. We were at the MMQB, and one time – we were writing about fantasy football, and I forget who was doing the story, but we were having a meeting and somebody said, hey, by the way, there's 27 million people uh, who are in fantasy leagues. If you add up all of the fantasy leagues, like ESPN, Yahoo, SI might have had a fantasy league, I don't even know. But if you add up all those, it, it reached like 27 million. And I just thought to myself, you know, it's amazing how the NFL can fall bass backwards into money and popularity. That, that's just really kind of my thought that no matter what the NFL does, no matter how many times it steps on itself or, 
you know, in 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 you know, over officiously defending, you know, guys like Daniel Snyder. You know, it's it's incredible to me that everything they touch turns to gold, and and people who really really like fantasy football. You know, I forget last year, um, the two red zone channels. Um, they their ratings approximately were like 1.6 million people per Sunday. And if you think about that and think how crazy that is, like a really good doubleheader game would get on Sunday would get like, you know, maybe 18 or 20 million viewers. And just think that this invention with either Andrew Siciliano or Scott Hansen is getting like... Uh, is getting like a tenth of the audience of the mega game of the day. And it just lets you know, it isn't just people like me who I kind of like watching, you know, eight games at once in a manageable way. And which is what red zone really has become. But the other part of it is all these people, these fantasy football people are watching these channels and because they want to find out, they just want to keep in touch with how their team is doing. It's it's really amazing to me what fantasy football has meant to the NFL. Do you remember the first league that you ever played in? Do you remember? I, I remember my first fantasy football pick was, I think it was in 2003 or 2004, and I didn't understand how any of it worked. And I asked my dad who had even less of an understanding of how it worked than I did before I went to my friend's house for the draft, who I should pick. And he agreed that he just said, I think Chad Pennington's a good player. That's just what he said. Um, <laughs> and so the, it comes to me, it's like pick number seven and you know, it was like Ricky Williams and you know Randy Moss and Dante Culpepper. And I said, Chad Pennington. And everyone just looked at me like, what on God's earth? Are you doing? And, uh, um, and it turned out to be not a good year, but I, I don't know. Like I think, <laughs> I, I think it's funny to go back and like and, and think about the first time you were in a league and 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 what that was like. I don't know. Do you remember your first league and your first like fantasy football pick? I remember I once did a league in conjunction with SI. Some readers got in this league with me, and my problem with fantasy football is that. I don't wake up on Sunday saying, well, let's see who's going to be active, who's not going to be active. And so there have been leagues that I've been in, some of which buddies are saying, hey, would you come in our league? It'd be fun. So, I, okay, I'll come in your league. And what happens is some weeks they said, what kind of idiot are you? you you're playing a quarterback who's on his bye. And I said, oh, I just I forgot to look at it this morning. I, I just I had too many things to do. So, you know, you're playing Brett Favre and Favre is off fishing in Montana. And <laughs> I just my problem is the care and upkeep of a fantasy team. Now, I'm interested in baseball. I've been in the same fantasy baseball league for like 18 years when wow. I used to live in Jersey. It's all guys out in Fairfield, New Jersey. And we and we have our still have our draft every year. Um, and 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 that to me is fun because 
every day when I get up, I look at the box scores. And so that, and I, that's not work to me. And it, and I don't even mean that in football, it would be work because I would be looking at the scoring summaries and all that anyway, but I don't wake up on Sunday morning and say, gee, is Jeff Wilson Jr. going to get the majority of the carries today or is it going to be John Doe? (laughs) I mean, it's just, that's not really what I do. And I, I marvel at guys like Matthew Barry, who really can be intense about, you know, who might get the carries, you know, this week. It just, well, we'll find out when we find out, you know, I don't know. (laughs) We'll find out in the fourth quarter when we look back at the uh, game log. <laughs> so, Peter, last uh, last questions before we kind of move on here. We're obviously, as as you know, three football media members entering uh, the dead period of the league, and I'm just kind of wondering: Do you remember a time when during the dead period, in like? You know, whatever, OTAs wrap up, uh, whatever, mid-June to mid-July or whatever. You didn't really have to do anything <laughs> because we have to do stuff now. <laughs> well, I remember when I first, when we first came up with this idea of the MMQB and uh, I was talking to Paul Fichtenbaum and the people at Sports Illustrated about it. And I said, you know, in an ideal world, we would right until Memorial Day, and then we'd be off until July 15th. I said, and it would be great. Everybody can take the summer off and blah, blah, blah. And Paul said, you can't do that. People won't come back to the content. You have to just keep going. And at the time, I didn't know what a gigantic pain in the ass that would be. (laughs) And it was a gigantic pain in the ass because... We didn't really have the staff to stretch so that, like, we had to figure out when people were going to take four weeks off. We just didn't have the staff to say, okay, you take May off, you take July off, you take... And it was so hard to... Every year after the draft, my whole thought would be July 8th. What the F are we going to be able to put on the site that is going to be remotely relevant and that won't won't kill us? And that's the thing, honestly, that's the thing that bothers me most about football in general. It's that, um, you know, because of competitive reasons and a lot of reasons, everybody almost has to be 24-7, 365. And the first year I ever covered the NFL was in 1984. And that year I covered the Bengals in Cincinnati. And I don't know how many Friday nights it was, but it was at least a couple that on Friday night I covered a high school football game in Cincinnati, uh, got in my car, buzzed back down to the Cincinnati Inquirer building on Vine Street in Cincinnati and batted out a 600 word story on a big high school football game after standing there on the sidelines and taking this, doing the stats myself. That is how this whole thing has changed. It used to be people in the off season of football, even me during the season, did other things. Covered golf, covered baseball some, covered whatever. But now, you know, I, 
I told Fichtenbaum this. I said, now you have two and a half guys covering the Indianapolis Colts every day of the year. And I, Bob Kravitz is the columnist. He's the, he, I said, you, but you have two guys who cover the Indianapolis Colts every day of their lives. And I don't know. It's, it really has gotten crazy. But anyway, hey, I digress. Did you know? Did you know, by the way, that the 1984 Cincinnati Bengals, um, according to 538, um, are the most average team in professional sports history. <laughs> you know that you covered the most average team in, 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 in not just NFL history, in like they did all these data points um, on everything, and they were the most average NF, or, or a professional sports team in, in, like his, in history. That's wild. I had no idea, obviously, but... I'll tell you one thing, that was one great team to cover because the rising star quarterback was Boomer, Collinsworth was a wide receiver, Anthony Munoz, the nicest guy in the planet and the greatest player you know, in Bengals history was the left tackle. Sam White was the coach. I mean, this is the, one of the greatest stories ever in my pro football writing career is that two weeks into the job was the NFL draft. And Sam Weich had me into his office the day before the draft, and he quite literally told me everybody who they were going to pick. <laughs> and I only missed on two or three of them, but I wrote in the, on the day of the draft, I wrote everyone who they were going to pick. <laughs> and it all turned out to be right. I, and I sports editor afterwards, man, you're a shaman. You're, 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 you're unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I told him that. I told him how unbelievable it was that the head coach called me into the office and said, write these names down. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't know about the average thing, but it wouldn't surprise me. They weren't too good. (laughs) They weren't too bad either though. That's right. That's the point. Yeah. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer, Dan Patrick, and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. All right, Peter King, it is time for more than four, but fewer than six questions. Uh, Shelby, please put three hours up on the clock. And uh, <laughs> Connor, why, why don't you take odds this week? I'll take evens. Okay, sounds good. Um, so, Peter, first category here is uh, history. Um, and the question is, who has more postseason victories? Sam Weish with the Bengals or Bill Parcells with every single team that he coached save for the Giants? So not the Giants, but all of Bill Parcells' other teams combined. Sam Weish. That's right. It's five to three. That is correct. Yeah, Parcells always, Parcells always had those issues, remember? Like he was the victim of the Tony Romo fumbled snap. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that, and they were going to win that game in Seattle. That's what made him quit coaching, basically. <laughs> but yeah, hey, you know what? The Bengals had some good days. You know, with White, he was a he was a nut job. He was kind of a brilliant nut job. But I liked him. He told me one time early in that first year, he said, "I will have your effing job," <laughs> and he called my sports editor and screamed at him to take me off the beat and I showed up the next day and he acted like nothing ever happened. But anyway, that was, Man. that was, uh, that'll be a good chapter in the book. <laughs> Question number two, this is spelling. Uh, with proper capitalization, your word is Kiki Diala. Capital K 
I, capital K, I, capital D, E, capital A, Y, A, L, A. That is, we're going to give it to you. What wow. Most places have the second K lowercase. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's wow. pretty good. I did. Well, I, I can. I will. I'll take the loss on that one. Give me the loss. We'll give you half credit. How about that? All right, good. Half so now credit. I got one and a half out of two. One, one and a half. Last one's a money ball, by the way. So you get two for the last one. But uh, okay, I, I right. had to look up Kiki Diet. What is it? Kiki Diala. Diala. Yeah. Uh, wow. Former Houston Gambler. Uh, Cincinnati Bengal. Do you know he now owns a uh, a real estate development company in Rockport, Texas? I did not know that. <laughs> Wikipedia is an incredible thing. Um, okay, uh, category number three, geography. Uh, I put this one in for you, Peter, specifically. Name the uh, city and state that is the home to the original location of Pete's Coffee. Berkeley, California. Yes. Well done, Peter. Berkeley, California. Um, I should know that my daughter lives there. I was going to say, I mean, you were the first. You were the first Pete's person that I ever met. I still don't drink coffee, uh, but one day I want to start trying. And you made you made Pete's sound really good. So listen, there's something wrong with you if you don't drink coffee. So just just go away. Go away. I'm I'm working. I love I love the smell of it. I love the taste of it. I'm working my way up the caffeine ladder. I'm doing tea now. I used to do nothing. <laughs> now I'm doing tea. And then soon, because I remember this, um, uh, I went with you and Kalen on a uh, MMQB road trip to Pittsburgh to watch the Steelers play the Patriots. Yeah. Um, it's like a really good game. And uh, your Starbucks order at the time was Dan Campbell-ish. Uh, I think it was a, <laughs> it was a venti... Iced caramel macchiato with four shots of espresso. Was I getting? Am I getting that right? Six shots. Whoa, man! What but event is like? huge. All right, so I've got two and a half now out of three. Two Gary? and a half. Two and a half out of three. So we're on to uh, to question four here. This is arts and culture. The first ever episode of the Peter King podcast, then known as the MMQB podcast with Peter King, featured two guests who did interviews name one of them <laughs> I have no clue but I'll say <laughs> I'll say Brett Favre but I truly have no clue who who was it it was Michael Bennett and Vince Wilfork and I remember wow. you you might remember this back Michael Bennett said something about it the rule he wanted to add to the NFL is every owner uh, as like initiation had to be ha- had to be tackled had to take it <laughs> and, and you said oh even even uh even sheila ford and he said well yeah it's got to be for everyone so <laughs> <laughs> i like that i i did not know that that's really I'm learning good. a lot about me all right two and a half out of four connor let's go all right, Stumpy. last one is called the Moneyball category, uh, and this is economics. Uh, another coffee-related question for our uh, – since Gary and I, we, did, we just don't know anything about coffee, so it's a good experience for us <laughs> to learn about it. Uh, which uh, popular coffee chain has more locations in New York State, Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, or 
Tim Hortons, and I'm going to pull an audible here, and if you order them correctly, you get five bonus points. So you get you just win the whole thing. Oh, man. Well, Starbucks is third. I'd say it goes Dunkin' Donuts, Tim Hortons, Starbucks. Oh, close. You're, I, you're, you're close. right. Yeah. I you, am right? Dun, Dunkin' Donuts is one. Uh, Starbucks edges out Tim Hortons. That's crazy. I, I, that That's shocking. According, that's shocking. All, I think there are 100 Tim Hortons like in Buffalo alone. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. No, wow. according to... Uh, but Dunkin' Donuts is first? Dunkin' Donuts is first by, by, by a fairly wide margin. Uh, yeah. Tim Hortons, and this is according to the website scrapehero.com which I think we all agree <laughs> that is the most reputable source that you can find on these types of things uh, they have uh, 237 Tim Hortons in uh, in New York State uh, 622 all across the US and for Starbucks they were they were edging out uh, the 643 Starbucks wow. in New York State that seems like well you know what I, I, I should have thought. That includes New York City. And I, yeah. all I was thinking of was kind of upstate. And so, wow, that's yeah. interesting. That's a good question. Is that still your order, Peter, at Starbucks? Or did you? No, it's a, uh, it's a quad grande now. Wow. It's a quad grande. And it's not iced. It's just regular hot. Interesting. Yeah. I just get hot water at Starbucks. That's it. Just some tap water. <laughs> Delicious. It's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Peter, you uh you finished with four and a half here, and uh, that's that's the show. I we hope you come back. Oh, I'd love to come back. I want to come back, and I want I want to come back in a week where it can be rollicking. Can okay. we have a rollicking week? Because look, it. if you if I come on the show on June second. Uh, let's be honest. We're kind of fishing for topics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. If I come on the show on October 2nd, we're going to have topics out the wazoo. I still don't know what the wazoo is, <laughs> but we're going to have topics out the wazoo. So listen, you guys know that whenever you ask, I'll come. So now, yeah. n- now that we know that we're going to we're going to bother you like a like a local radio producer in Apex, North Carolina, who got your cell phone number. We're just going to text you mercilessly and ask but you Can to I just on. tell you, Connor, Connor, I'm just going to tell you now the secret to not answering the phone to the radio producer in Apex, North Carolina. You know what it is? The first time that that producer ever leaves me a message, hey, this is John Doe from such and such a sports talk show. We'd love to have you on to talk about X. Could you come on? Uh, Here's my number. Give me a call back. I immediately then take that number. And and, and instead of putting his name in, I just put G-O-D space (laughs) N-O. So that the next time he calls, I say, and I've got that for about 36 people. In my phone, so I just know that you don't answer it when when it's God no. I while we have you, I have to say my favorite radio producer story of all time is when I got to the MMQB. I got a I got a second phone, so I got a six four six 
area yeah. code number phone that nobody knew. And so my first Super Bowl with the MMQB was the Eagles uh, Patriots Super Bowl. And that entire week, I was texting NFL Network insider Mike Garofolo, uh from my new MMQB phone that nobody knew the number. And I, I created a radio personnel, a radio producer uh, personality from Apex, North Carolina named Leonard Canzano. And I would text him once every few hours during the Super Bowl. <laughs> and I would just say, hey, Mike, like Leonard here. And the, the asks would get more and more absurd. <laughs> like, at fir- like at first I was like, hey, can you come on and talk to us about the game? And then he wouldn't respond. And then I'd say, uh, oh, no worries. Your colleague Tom Pelissero is going to do it. And then I'd wait like a couple of hours. And then I'd say, Mike, we're doing a segment on on ranking the NFL cheerleader cheerleading squads. Do you think you could come on and do it? And so it got to the point where it was the morning of the Super Bowl and I texted him, hey, Mike, this is Leonard from Apex, North Carolina. I have a really great idea. We're going to call you 15 minutes before kickoff. And then can you just come on live with us and talk us right up until the moment when (laughs) the the ball kicks off? And so right after that, uh, the phone rings and I pick up the phone and I hear on the other end of the line, who the who the F is this? And it's not Mike. And I was like, who's this? And he, the voice on the other end of the phone says, this is Steve Smith. Who the F is this? So legendary NFL wide receiver, Steve Smith. Uh, and he said, why are, you te- why are you texting my friend? Why are you bothering my friend? Why do you keep texting his phone? Who, who the F is this? And I was, I was just like completely blown away. And I said, uh, Steve, I'm going to need you to put Mike on the phone. And then he just goes, yeah, all right. And he just hands the phone to Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I, I ended up blowing, blowing my cover. Out. But uh, just the best. It's probably, it's just, probably, just, probably about time at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's probably, yeah I, I didn't want to get arrested. <laughs> The MMQB NFL Podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Gramley. We are produced by Shelby Royson. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody, and our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Moravik is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Super Bowl champion Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts, and once you do, please leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com and wherever else you listen to podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host 
host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.